Are you ready for the word? Now we're starting today a series about, about being strong and, and empowering your future. You know, I believe that the times we're living in require us to be strong. It's not, no longer kind of an optional thing. We have to be strong, strong in the Lord, strong in the power of His might. We are living in the last days. And the Bible says in the last days, perilous times or difficult times will come. And, and you know, I mean, if you look around you and you look at the world around you, you understand that we are living in perilous times. We are living in strange times. We are living in unique times. And if there was a time for the church to be strong, it's right now. Because I tell you what, the enemy is coming against us. It's coming against us individually. It's coming against us corporately. It's coming against us in all kinds of ways, ways we had never even thought of. I mean, you may have even maybe realized that last, last Thursday uh, in our Senate, there was a law that was passed that will forbid us from reaching out to encourage, pray for anyone who comes to us and says, well, I, I'm kind of struggling with my... Uh, 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 you know, same-sex attraction or something like that. Could, could you pray with me? You know, that is illegal. That is, I mean, these are strange times. I've got, I was not going to say that, but anyway, I've got to say because you are the church and we need to be aware of what's happening and what's coming against us. And I'm, I'm not saying this as a political statement, but we need, we understand that our fight is not against people but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age. And I'm just saying this, not to say who to vote or anything, but I'm just saying this, yes, vote, but pray, amen, pray. This is this, is, this law, it says here, yeah, this is the actual letter, uh, it, carrying out, it bans carrying out religious practice, including but not limited to a prayer-based practice, a deliverance practice, or an exorcism. Wow, I mean, they're kind of banning Jesus, you know, and, um, and we're not going to allow Jesus to be banned. We have Jesus is our message, and we're not ashamed of the gospel, amen, which is the power of God unto salvation, amen. And, and uh, if we are ashamed of the gospel, then what power is there to save people, to deliver people, to set people free, amen? Praise God. But it is just so you understand that we are in a spiritual warfare. And when in November 2019, I said to you, we're entering into a season that we need to go deeper. You know, I, I, I'm not talking about a, 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 just a year, 365-year period. I'm talking about a season that we need to go deeper in our convictions, deeper in whom we believe and what we believe. Amen. And we need to grow stronger. Amen. There's a church... In Revelation, uh, that Jesus spoke to them, the church of Sardis, and said, and said, uh, said well, uh, strengthen, uh, be watchful and strengthen the things that remain. <laughs> and then just uh, a few verses down, he said to the church of Philadelphia, you have a little strength and the word of God abides in you. So Jesus talked about strengthening, he's talking about strength. And that's where we're going to go over the next few weeks, amen? And we're going to be a strong church. And we're going to be strong people, amen, and strong believers in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. I want to take you to 1 Kings, as I said, chapter 18, verse 46. And I, I'm kind of, I've got like a whole seminar, and I've got 20 minutes. So just bear with me. Uh, God can do miracles. <laughs> and I can, 
Let's go. First uh, Kings chapter 19. Ahab told Jezebel. Let's read actually chapter 18 verse 46. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Chapter 19 verse 1. And Ahab told Je- Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger. Everyone say messenger. To Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went at his journey to the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, Lord, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life. I'm no better than my father's. Then as he laid and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank. And he went in the strength of that food 40 days 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks and the pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, the earthquake, and the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, and the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went on and stood at the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way. He didn't say retreat. He he said return. And you know the rest of the story. And uh, for the sake of time, I would ask you to please read the rest of this wonderful, beautiful story. Um, at home, but, uh, but following last week's message about leaving your assignment, I'd like to continue talking today about Elijah, and, uh, and he is such a great example of a strong man of God, of a powerful prophet of the Old Testament, and we'll know, we'll know him because of his, of his courage, of his boldness, his strength, and and when I read about Elijah, it is, it is so, so inspiring. And I, I'm sure even James, when he wrote James 5 and 17 and so on, and he wrote about, he wrote, James wrote about Elijah and said, well, that's a great example to follow. He was a man that when he prayed, you know, things happened. And, but then he said, but, but he was a man with the same nature as ours. And indeed, Elijah had the same nature as ours, and the Bible does not hide that fact. Like most of us, he had his highs and he had his lows. He was victorious, but that 
at one stage in his life, he also felt tired. He also felt depleted, exhausted, worn out, and tempted to give up. However, you know, the, the beauty of this story is that God came and God strengthened him. And I want you to know that God can do that and God does that. And, and he came and strengthened Elijah again. And the enemy, you know, would love to find us vulnerable and weak. But God promised us strength and vigor to win every battle and to fight another day in the name of Jesus. Amen? Come on, help me preach to you today. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, chapter 18, I read chapter 18 right at the last verse because chapter 18, the last verse, ends with a statement that God's hand was so powerful upon Elijah that Elijah, he ran ahead of Ahab's chariots and he ran 26 miles, which is the distance from where he was to Jezreel. He ran basically a marathon. That's what a marathon, that's a, the official length of a marathon. It's 26 miles. And he ran 26 miles. And he ran in the strength of God. What a great example. What a great, of what the strength of God can do. Amen. It can make you run. And he ran in victory. And he ran ahead of chariots and ahead of horses. Hallelujah. And he beat Ahab's chariot. And so chapter 18, Elijah runs in victory. But chapter 19, Elijah runs for his life. He's, he's running depleted. He's running on empty. You know, he went from a power peak to suddenly a power leak. <laughs> you know, what happened to his strength? How did he get so depleted of something that was so visible and so abundant in his life? What happened to his strength? You know, his strength was uncommon. His strength was supernatural. But what happened to Elijah is not uncommon. It is actually very common. And, and after all, you know, as, as James said, he was a man with the same nature as ours. So I want us to look into the story of Elijah. And I want us to look at a few lessons that, uh, that we can take from this lesson and see what were the points of, of the weakness. Why did Elijah get to a point where he needed to be replenished of his strength again? Number one, what I call the dangers of isolation. You know, in verse, in verse 10 and verse 14, twice Elijah said these words, I, I alone am left. I alone am left. Well, he wasn't alone. He actually had a young man with him. But when he, when he went to Beersheba, he just left the young man there. He just went into the desert. And he's just isolating himself. You know, I believe that isolation made Elijah vulnerable. The idea that he was alone, that he was the only one fighting against Ahab and Jezebel, set him up for the discouragement that he experienced later on. You know, God had to tell him about the other 7,000 that he knew nothing about. I want you to get this. Our limited perspective rarely shows us or allows us to see how much God is in control of every situation. Amen. He thought he was alone. He thought he was the only one. He didn't know the full story. Amen. Sometimes we look at the news, we can get discouraged. We, we look at what's going on right now in the world, we can get discouraged. But let me tell you something. <laughs> Our perspective is limited. God is still in control. Amen. God is still in control. 
And in Acts chapter 4, it's very interesting that when the Pharisees threatened Peter with jail and said, you know, I forbid you to, to teach or to speak in the name of Jesus. You know what uh, Peter did? He didn't cave in. He didn't, went into the he didn't go into the desert and just kind of feeling sorry for himself. The Bible says in Acts 4.23, and being let go, he went to their own companions. Praise God. Praise God, I tell you what, the dangers of isolation, and the, but the blessings of being around people of faith, people being around people that believe, amen, Pe being around the community of God, the body of Christ, all of us together. And what followed there, you know, the, the Bible says they raised their voices with one accord to God and the Holy Spirit came down and they, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 33 says this, says that with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. I want you to see that there is power, there is great power, there is great grace in coming together. Come on church. Amen. The enemy would love to isolate people. And I find it interesting that one of the most common words we've heard over the past, you know, 12 months is isolation. And I believe this is a work of the enemy to isolate believers, to get them isolated, to get them, you know, away from the fellowship of the, the other believers. Yes, we can pray our prayers. But listen, when Peter could have prayed his prayer, but when Peter came around with everybody else and they raised their voices with one accord to God, there was an earthquake and great power and great grace came upon them all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's great grace and great power. Hallelujah. Find it amazing. Find it amazing the things that the enemy uses. You know, to get people to stay away from the fellowship, to stay away from coming together. Fear. I mean, all kinds of excuses. Someone was telling me, well, if I go to church, what will happen to my details? Don't worry, the deep state already knows about you. <laughs> we don't communicate with the deep state. We don't, we will not give, I mean, just amazing, I mean, just the amazing stuff that sometimes goes through people's minds so that they will, you know, the enemy convinces them to stay away because the, God knows that there's great power and the enemy knows that there's great power and great grace when we come together. So one of the problems of Elijah, why he got so discouraged and he felt like throwing in the towel was because of his isolation. Secondly, because of the kind of messengers he allowed into his life. Uh, 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 Jezebel, verse 2, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah and saying, so let God, the gods do to me immoral, so if I don't make your life as a life. You know, if Jezebel found access into Elijah's life, she sent him a messenger. And uh, the enemy has his messengers, his invoice of discouragement, of fear. And, and, and sometimes even literal demons Demonic forces sent from, from the enemy to discourage, to oppress, to uh, all of that. You know, in 2 Corinthians 12, 7, we read about the Apostle Paul himself said that a messenger from Satan was sent to buffet him so that he would not talk about the revelations that God had given him. A messenger of Satan. So, uh, so Jezebel sent a messenger. And we need to watch what kind of messengers we allow access into our lives. Because this story talks about another messenger. It talks about an angel of God. An angel in the Greek is the word messenger. So there's two messengers. One that's come to weaken and one that comes to strengthen. One that comes to deplete. Another one that comes to feed. He must have been a, a Malaysian angel. 
because it gave him good food. Bakute from, from Klang. Amen. All the, and, uh, and the Bible says that he, he ran in the strength of those 40, of, the, of that food, 40 days. Hallelujah. Praise God. So the messenger of God came to Elijah twice to minister and to feed him. Verses 7 and 8, the angel of the Lord came back the second time, touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. You know what? God knows that a lot of the stuff that the church and you and I are going to face in these last days is above our strength. It's unusual. It, it's it's going to be mind-blowing. But God knows that. But there, God sends a, a grace, and God sends a grace that is sufficient, and a grace and a power and a strength, amen, so that we can overcome the enemy and leave to find another day and come out of it with a, with a miraculous story of God's deliverance. Amen? Come on. So when the enemy comes with his messengers from hell, say, access denied. <laughs> access denied. So we need to choose messengers. And so I think that's, that was probably one of the things that got him discouraged, the messenger that was sent to him. We need to, we need to see who speaks into our lives. Well, messengers bring messages. And the third point is this, the messages we feed on. Verse 2, it says that Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, and it started talking about, you know, we're going to kill you. Verse 3, and when he saw that, he arose and ran from his life. You know, the messenger said, but Elijah saw. Because words carry pictures. And, and when he... When, um, uh, words can be, and Elijah saw what this man was saying. His words created a vision of catastrophe, a vision of calamity, a vision of destruction, a vision of, uh, of death. But you know what? A vision makes you run, whether it's a good vision or a bad vision. The Bible says, run with the vision. Well, in this case, he's running with the vision. But it's the wrong vision. It's a vision of fear. It's a vision of calamity. And he's running with that vision. You know, if we want to be strong in God, we need to be attention, pay attention to, number one, whether we are isolated or we are congregated. Secondly, the messengers we allow into our lives. Thirdly, the messages that we feed on. I mean, don't feed on stuff that will feed your fear. Don't feed on things on the internet that will constantly reinforce, you know, ideas and, and things that come from the enemy. You know, um, number four, the visions we carry in our lives. And number five, the direction we run. Twice the Lord said to Elijah, what are you doing here? And sometimes, you know, we get depleted because we are in the wrong place. <laughs> and we are wronging in the wrong direction. And, and you know what? There is no grace for that race. And, and that, that is a race that will leave you depleted if you're outside the will of God, running against God, running in the direction that He's never set you to run. Don't be surprised if you end up depleted and tired and exhausted and just worn out and, and your strength not being there because God never sent you there. Because where God sends you, He gives you grace for that journey, grace for that race. Hallelujah. Look at verse, um, eventually, you know, the angels sent Him in the direction he said the direction is the mountain of God. Oh, that's a good direction. Go to the mountain of God. And uh, verse 8, so he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 
40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, the strength, there was a grace for that race. God said, I'm go- I want you to go here, and I'm going to provide the strength for you to get there. But if you keep going that way, then you're running on your own strength, on your own ability, and there's no grace for that race. Amen. So we need to see what are the things that deplete our lives. Maybe we're running in the wrong direction. Maybe you're being motivated by something that didn't come as a message from God or an idea from God and caused us to run, but we're just running, you know, against the will of God. Now, verse 11 says, then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. That's always where we need to run to, to a higher place, out of the cave, onto the mountain. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore them through the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, and the Lord was not in the wind. And after that, the wind, the earthquake, and the Lord was not in the earthquake. And, and after that, the fire. I, I want you to see, I, I don't know, I just kind of probably think that that was exactly what was going on on the inside of the prophet. Things were being shaken in his life. There was this wind that he, he had no strength against. He was just kind of being tossed. He was just, there was probably a reflection of his inner world. And God was not into that. God is not in the anxiety and in the fear, in the anxiousness of, of Elijah's heart. God was not into that. But then suddenly there was a still, tranquil, non-anxious voice. And that was the voice of God. That was the voice of God. The voice that came from the messenger of Jezebel was disturbing, was upsetting. It produced anxiety and torment. It left Elijah weak and vulnerable. But the voice that came from God was quiet, was peaceful. It was still. There was no anxiety. There was no panic. I'm surprised that what this virus thing has exposed in people. In Perth, I mean, a couple of people or something got infected. And there's panic buying. I mean, those are the words of the newspapers. Panic buying. Panic. A very word that we heard, you know, right through the whole of last year. Panic. But God is not in the panic. And God is not in the anxiety. And God is not in the turmoil. And God is not in the earthquake. And God is not in the shaking. And God is not in that kind of wind that blows you over. No. The voice of the Lord is still. It's quiet. It's restful. It's tranquil. It is tranquility in the voice of God. You know, one day someone came to Jesus, a messenger, a Pharisee came to Jesus and said, and said, uh, Herod wants to kill you. You know what Jesus, I love what Jesus said in Luke chapter 13, verse 32 says, go and tell that fox. <laughs> Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. You know, I want you to see that there was no anxiety, no panic, no running for his life. Jesus spoke as someone in control. He was in control of his life. He was in control of his emotions. He was in control of where he was and where he was going. He was in control of the agenda that he had set for his life. Well, today I'm here, tomorrow I'm there. And I'm not going to be moved by Herod and by his threats. I'm not going to be moved by what the enemy says. I'm going to be moved by the peace of God and the assurance and the confidence that, that I have from God. I am in charge of my destiny. 
Come on. Amen. That is what the voice of God looks like. And when our own inside is in conflict and turmoil, choose the other way. Choose Jesus. Choose that the still small voice. Choose to go with, well, how would Jesus react? Well, Jesus never reacted because he was always in charge. He never, he didn't run for his life like Elijah. He said, well, I'm just going to stick to the program. I'm just going to stick to what, I know what I'm going to be to do tomorrow and the day after and the day after. Feed on what God said in his word. So much attention, you know, sometimes we pay so much attention to, you know, I, I, uh, can I really speak frankly to you because Honestly, I think this, is, this touches everybody. And, and I have, and I've, I've counseled, I've, I've talked, and I've prayed with so many of our own people and others that they said, oh, but pastor, it's on Facebook. Oh, pastor, but it's on the internet. And the people are saying, that, and you know what? Let's focus on what does God say about my life? I know, what, I know the world's not going to get better. I know that the world's probably, but I know the church is going to get brighter and brighter. Those probably going to get a darker place, but the church is going to get brighter and brighter. Amen. I know that my days are in the hand of God. I know that my tomorrow is in the hand of God. I know that God has an agenda and a plan and an assignment for my life. And God has set something for me today and tomorrow and the day after. Amen. And I'm choosing to be like Jesus. Amen. That's the only way to experience, not panic but to experience the peace of God for your life. So, so you, you want to be strong in God, you have to be strong in the Word. And I think our generation, can I speak frankly? I think our generation is probably the laziest generation when it comes to the Word of God. People don't read the Bible anymore. Okay, all right, let's move on. First John chapter 4, 2, verse 4. I know it's no one from our church, amen. I know it's all out there, out there. So, okay, just keep looking at me and smiling because I know it's not you, so. But First John 2, 14, I have written to you, fathers, because you've known him who is from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you're strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Come on, hallelujah. And you know, this is the reason for this series. Because the more word you receive in this area, the more, the stronger you become. Amen. The more established, the deeper you will go. Amen. And, um, <laughs> and, and you, and the more victorious you will be over the wicked one. Amen. So keep coming back. Amen. I, I'm, not, I'm not grumpy this morning. I'm just your pastor telling you the truth. Amen. And encouraging all of us to be strong in God and in the power of His might in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So this is the reason for this series. So just keep coming. And the more word goes into your spirit, the stronger you will become. Hallelujah. You'll go to work tomorrow and people go like, what's that smile on your face? Well, I've been in 1070 and my pastor told me, that, you know, I am strong in God and in the power of His might. And I will not be moved. Amen. Whatever happens, I am not going to be moved by anything except the still small voice, the tranquil voice of God in my life. So lastly, so in conclusion, if we want to be strong in God, let's recap this. If we want to be strong in God, number one, 
Check whether you are isolated or you are congregated. Secondly, the messengers, we need to be careful. The messengers we allow into our lives. Number three, the messages we feed on. Number four, the visions that we carry within us. Number five, the directions we run. Number six, letting, we need to let the Word of God abide in us. The more Word, the more strength, the more victory over the enemy. In Jesus' name, amen.